say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. And welcome to episode 114 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. I have spoken to many of you that have said that you didn't really get a foundation for food peace. What I mean by that is that you were brought up around a very critical parent or someone who was in the throes of an eating disorder. And that can certainly complicate your own food peace journey. It doesn't make it impossible, but it also just makes it have some more twists, turns, and rocky places. And I have a letter today from someone who was brought up by a parent who struggles with a personality disorder and really was overly critical of this letter writer. And this person has found it to be really tough as they're making their food peace journey. I can't wait to share with you my thoughts on that because it certainly is a really common place. And I think it's something you will relate to. Before we get to that, a word from our sponsor. Love Food Podcast listeners have been asking for it and I finally did it. There is now a Love Food Podcast store. So if you are looking for a way to support the podcast and get something back for yourself, check out my store at teespring.com slash stores slash love food. There you will find t-shirts, mugs, and bags, and stickers that help promote food peace. It also has messages like all bodies are good bodies, show me the data, mantras, and battle cries that I have heard from those who have come before me on this food peace journey. My hope is these items will further spread the messages that I think are important on this podcast. You know, we've been working really hard together to help promote food peace and to help others feel more at home in their own skin. And so these items, I hope, just enhance that And by buying anything in the Love Food store, you are also supporting this podcast. It's something I will always do for free, yet it is something that has a cost associated with it. So this is your way that you can give back. And I appreciate all the love. And if you enjoy this episode of the Love Food podcast, I would really appreciate a rating or review. It's a really simple act. All you need to do is scroll down. If you're on your iPhone, or any other device right now, and you will see a place that shows all the available episodes, and you will see a place to leave a rating or review. If you're not seeing that on your device, because there's so many different podcatchers out there, or if you are on a regular um, desktop computer or laptop, you can also just go to the show notes. And there's a button right there about one paragraph down that says subscribe here or leave a rating or review in just seconds. I really appreciate it when you do that. And I love reading them, first of all, because it helps me connect with you and find out how you're using the show. But whenever you leave a rating or review, subscribe or share an episode, it helps other people find this podcast. It somehow affects the iTunes uh, algorithm or something. There's some kind of math with it that's over my head, but it helps more people find the show. 
So anytime you do that, I really, really appreciate it. And any podcast you listen to, it's a really helpful thing. Um, if you do get a lot from that podcast, just to leave a rating or review, I have a feeling that they would appreciate it as well. Anyway, enough of all that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear Food, you and I have had a lifetime of battles. I've been struggling with an eating disorder for 37 years now. Sure, there were a few years where we had a good relationship. However, with a critical mother, I've never felt good enough. I tried to shrink my body to my mother and sister's petite frame, but to no avail. I understand genetics plays a part in this now. I have the genetics of my father's side. Sure, I'm lean for my genetics, but I can't get out of my mind that my sister got the good genes and I want them too. Every day is a struggle with you, food. I think about you all the time, even in my sleep. I just can't believe that this body is what God intended for me. I beat my head against the wall, trying daily to change it. All of my energy goes towards finding ways to get rid of my belly. I do want a good quality of life. I believe I eat healthfully, lots of protein to satiate me, yet no weight ever comes off. I have been in treatment for three years now. I wish I could go back to the weight I was at the beginning. I'll eat and fuel correctly if I could just have that body back. My dietitian says I was starving myself for so long that now my body wants to hang on to you food because you don't know when the next starvation is coming. Mother Nature couldn't really want me to look like this. My dietitian says the problem is not my body, but my relationship with my body. After 50 years of being ridiculed by my OCD mother, who wanted perfect children, it's been so hard to change my relationship with you, food. My mother is extremely critical of everything about my appearance. She doesn't buy the genetics piece and keeps finding ways that I should drop weight. I'm the child of a narcissist that I can never please, yet I try daily. She used you food as a way to control us. She would count the cookies in the cookie jar and would ask who had some. We had zero snack food in the home, so of course my sisters and I would eat junk food whenever we could since we felt deprived. We hid it under our beds. I had short stints where you and I got along, very short. I really want to eat intuitively, yet still don't understand why my body hangs on to this disgusting fat. My mother criticizes everything. I don't like your hair. You're going to wear that? Color in your eyebrows, get a better bra, stand up straight, hold in your stomach, and just try to lose five pounds. She's clueless and most definitely a narcissist showing me ways that I'll never be good enough. Sure, I want to be happy and enjoy you since the E in eating is for enjoyment. My wish for us food is that we can finally have a great relationship, one where you don't scare me and I discontinue thinking about you constantly. I'm hoping you can teach me to accept my body for all the wonderful things it does and have compassion with myself. It's just so hard with my mom's voice in my head. I can't change my body from a bulldog to a chihuahua, yet she's sure I can. Please help me, food. I want to enjoy you and stop constantly thinking about you. I'm desperate for change. Sincerely, The Bulldog.
Hey there, Bulldog. Thank you so much for your note. And I have a feeling there is someone listening right now, someone who just listened to your words in your letter and is hanging on to the next discussion because they can so relate to your experience. And from reading it, I'm gathering that you are wanting a few things. Namely, you want a normal relationship with food. Especially, you want to stop overthinking about what you eat. And I want to help you with that. I'm also getting the sense that you're ambivalent about your body. What I mean by that is I think you're sounding like you're torn between wanting to love your body, accept your body, yet also feeling really not willing to accept that this is the body you are going to be walking this earth in. I'm, I'm definitely hearing ambivalence about that. I think your journey, your food peace journey would be a little less bumpy if you didn't grow up with the caregiver that you describe. You know, having a parent, especially a mother with narcissistic personality disorder can be really hard on your relationship with food. It can be really hard on the relationship we have with other people and ourselves, our inner dialogue, our inner critic. And that's something that I gleaned from your note. Part of why is sort of stereotypical. So I appreciate what I'm going to say sounds really stereotypical, but hang on kind of just for the point. Our primary caregiver, which for many of us is our mother. It's not always, of course, that's the stereotypical part. But our primary caregiver is usually where we get the first kind of unconditional love and where we connect so much of our foundation of our well-being and our self-worth. When a parent, and especially the primary caregiver, has a personality disorder, it could be really hard to have the same kind of self-talk and self-compassion that other people more naturally just have. It may seem so easy, letter writer, for other people to be kind to themselves, to um, feel confident, even when they may not, you know, kind of fake it till you make it kind of confidence. You may struggle with those kinds of things because of the foundation um, is lacking. You were neglected as a child. You weren't given the same kind of unconditional support, love, and compassion. And it's not because your mother didn't love you unconditionally. It sounds like she wasn't able to. It sounds like there was something about her own self-concept that over time had this personality disorder. Listener, if you're not really keen to what personality disorders are, you don't have to break out the DSM-5, which that's a really big book that the American Psychiatric Association puts out. Um, it includes all the mental health diagnoses and breaks it down into the nitty gritty. You don't have to do that. But all you really know, need to know about personality disorders is that they're a part of a person's experience in the world that is really rigid and different and gets in the way with life. Part of a personality disorder is also that they're not really aware that they have one and they're not going to be able to change. It's really, really rigid. I appreciate there may be someone listening who's aware that they have one or they've been able to change it. I know there's different ways of thinking about it. But the kind of the, the thing I keep in mind is it's a really rigid experience in that it's it's really hard to change. And I'm saying that for 
anyone listening who has a caregiver with a personality disorder, because keeping that in mind lets you know that what doesn't need to be on your shoulders is convincing this caregiver that you deserve to feel at home in your own skin, that you deserve to um, eat in a way that feels pleasurable. You can certainly try. And for you, letter writer, it sounds like you did already. (laughs) It sounds like you tried a lot to explain the genetics and how your body is just not going to look like her side of the family, that your body's going to look like your father's side. And it sounds like you tried hard enough. And it's okay to move away from that. It's okay to say, I'm not going to try to convince her anymore. And it's okay to put boundaries up about that. It's okay to say, you know, I'm just not going to have any more conversations about my body or food or movement with my mother, period. I've spoken to a lot of people who've laid that boundary down. And boundaries can be really, really tough when you are trying to set them with people who are affected by personality disorders. And I have a lot of compassion for people who experience a personality disorder. And it's also important for you, letter writer, to get what you need. And it's you're not asking for too much. These are some really basic needs. So it's okay to set a boundary. And I hope your treatment team, I know you said that you work with a dietitian, so I'm hoping there's also a therapist involved. I hope you guys can come up with some strategies to do that. Part of what I mentioned earlier is having a primary caregiver with narcissistic personality disorder, it can really twist around and mess up our relationship with food. And it's going to be really tough to convince that caregiver even if you're a grown up, <laughs> it's going to be tough to convince that caregiver to think of things differently. Yet, you can change your relationship with food. I feel really firm in that. Part of changing that relationship with food is setting those boundaries that are healthy for you. And the boundary could be limiting the amount of time you have with this person or limiting the types of conversations. And I hope you're able to find something that works for you. Since our relationship with food mirrors other relationships in our life, it makes sense that your relationship with food is mirroring the language that you were taught by your mother, that perfectionism, and that inability to accept, respect, or dare I say love, the body you have right now. Part of me gets from your letter that you so want that. But there's this other side. It kind of almost flips right after you say wanting to respect and accept your body that flips to, no, 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 no. There's no way that this can be my body. And I have a feeling that's the side that you picked up from your time growing up and just getting that foundation of criticism. Something that I know is that as you become aware of how your mind, specifically the messages on your mind, reacts to food and reacts to bodies including your body or someone else's body, becoming more aware of those messages is a really powerful tool to help you move forward on your food peace journey. I encourage you to continue to work with your team on exploring these messages. And what's really cool is that you can map them out. I often think about judgments about our body, um, shoulds, um, things like that that are just not accepting and sound more coming from like a coach or a drill sergeant, those are the shooting sides. Um, it's very close to shitting, I know, but it's the shooting kind of parent. I have a feeling 
you have so many messages that sound like a shooting parent. And so what I would encourage you to do is as you hear them throughout the day, going through your head, to write them down. And what is really normal and important in order for you to stay alive as a human is for your brain to react like a rebellious teenager. You know, when a rebellious teenager, or just not even rebellious, just a teenager is told to not do something, a really normal, natural reaction is to go against it. And with our body, when it's gone through starvation and all those shoulds, those impossible shoulds, our body is trying to save us. And when it finally gets around to food, especially food that is pleasurable, food that has carbohydrates in it, because you know our brain needs that, <laughs> um, food that is um, palatable, you know, again, it's, it's connected to pleasure, it's easy to digest, Whenever we have lots of shoulds, it's normal and natural and important for our body to react with getting as much of it as it can. can. I really encourage you to reframe when you're experiencing these behaviors with food that may feel out of control or may feel like a binge. I honestly hesitate to even call them that because I do think they're natural, normal, and important. I really encourage you to try to rewire them or rewrite them rather as ways that your body is trying to save you. It may seem like a behavior when your body's rebelling and your food behaviors are feeling like you can't stop eating certain foods that you feel like you shouldn't eat. It may feel like your body is totally going against you, but in reality, it's doing the most compassionate thing. It's really trying to save you. And in essence, I think you're being a successful human in those moments. And I appreciate that that's not the foundation you got, but maybe listen to this podcast over and over again to help get that in your brain more. I have a really cool uh, handout that I like to use with people and I work with them individually that would maybe be something you could experiment with with your team. And it has a pendulum on it and it has the shooting parent and the rebellious teen And it gives you space to write out all those messages that your brain is giving you, that your body is confusing because you don't have that compassionate foundation. My favorite part of this handout though, is there's also a middle ground. There's that adult voice. Because I do think letter writer, you have it in you. There's a part of you that has all the wisdom you need to promote health, to make peace with food, to feel at home in your own skin. It's all that wisdom is in there. And you have an adult voice that can rewrite those messages. It's okay to need a team as you do this. I find, especially if you don't have the words for it because it just wasn't in your foundation, that's really normal and important to to gather with, with someone else who either has been there or has wisdom from their work experience. And so I encourage you to experiment with rewriting those messages. And anyone listening, if you can relate to this letter. Whether you had a parent that was overly critical or has had a personality disorder, you may find yourself really struggling with your messages around food and lacking compassion with them. I do believe that compassionate curiosity is the foundation for food peace. When we can find a way to rewrite those rules with compassion, and be curious as to where they came from, once we're in a place doing that, you will feel your food peace journey picking up momentum. 
you can further encourage that by seeking out safe spaces to further enhance that journey. I encourage you to keep up the work with your therapist and dietitian. If you're someone listening that does not have that, I have in the show notes a link to dietitians who specialize in helping people with their relationship with food. It's a great place to start. And also groups are another really important place for people to further enhance their food peace journey. And I love how the world now has this virtual platform. So anybody, anywhere can get access to more of a community that looks like them, sounds like them, has a similar um, life experience as them, identifies as they do, and wanting to make peace with food. So I encourage you to seek those out because what you can do is as you allow your brain to hear messages that are more compassionate, your adult voice can practice choosing those as the response to the shooting parent and the rebellious teen. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for you to get access to that handout. And so just go ahead and click on it there and you can get access to this handout. I hope it helps. And I see that food is written back. So I need to part. But letter writer, I really want you to stay connected. Let us know how things are going. I would love to hear an update, hear how this handout worked out and any experiments that you found helpful. I know you didn't get the foundation you needed to have a compassionate, and an unconditionally accepting relationship with food in your body. And with help from other people, brick by brick, you can lay that foundation yourself. It's gonna look a little different than everybody else. It may feel a little different and it's still yours. You can still make it happen. Before we get to Food's Letter, this episode was brought to you by the Love Food Store on teespring.com. If you would like to get access to mugs, t-shirts, and bags that help support the Love Food Podcast and help encourage people to feel at home in their own skin, you can get to it at teespring.com slash stores slash love food. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could leave a rating or review. Doing so helps the show grow and helps other people find the show and feel more at home in their own skin. All right, so I see Food Has Written Back. Until next time, take care. Dear Bulldog, we have been through thick and thin, yet we are still on our journey. Your supportive community is growing and you'll need them as your journey continues. Mother Nature affirms you and your higher power created you to not be a comparison or a manipulation. We wish you got the nurturing you needed as a child so that you could appreciate how awesome and amazing your soul is and needed in this world. Your body is designed to carry you through this world, literally and figuratively. Thinking and examining and judging the shell around your soul distracts you from the reasons you're here on this earth. Don't give diet culture and all its bigotry the power Eating enough and knowing in your heart you are always worthy of this will fuel your soul to do what we on earth need. And we are waiting for you. Love food. Thank you for listening. 
I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care.